Hi, in today's podcast with Chas Young, a personal trainer and founder of a Spin TRX fitness studio in downtown Calgary, Canada, you're going to learn what your estimated cost would be to open a brand new gym from build out to equipment to lease. You're also going to learn how she was able to target her workouts and theme of the gym so it would appeal to the downtown demographic. Also, how changing her membership prices affected her and her business. In addition, we'll talk about how she grew her membership from zero customers to a steady 250 reoccurring clients. Finally, she's going to tell us her top 10 things she recommends gym owners should do to grow their business. Stay tuned. It's a great episode. Fitness coaches get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online. Create multiple streams of income by training clients online, selling challenges, and growing your membership. This is the Fitness Business Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. Hey, Fitness Business Secrets listeners. Before we get to the show, here's something I've been working on. With times being tough right now, home quarantines, social distancings, we might feel a little worried that offering a premium immunity boost fitness challenge might be out of the price range for our clients. Or maybe your goal is to maintain the relationship with your current clients and not necessarily amp up sales right now. So offering a class-based membership, this is an online membership, is a perfect low-cost option for people with tight budgets right now. During the break, I'll talk about how to set up an online membership that doesn't cost too much money for your clients because it does not take a lot of your time. We'll talk more about this during the break. Hi, Fitness Business Secrets listeners. Today, we are talking to Chas Young. She is a business startup coach who went from fitness trainer to new studio owner of a Spin TRX studio located right in downtown Calgary. She has come full circle as a business owner from choosing the location, negotiating the lease, managing the build out, opening the business, and scrambling to get customers and a steady cash flow. She successfully made the gym very profitable to the tune of $30,000 in revenue per month and then having a successful sale as she transitioned into a coaching role. I'm so excited to have Chas on the show. So Chas, how are you doing? Thanks for joining me today. I'm fantastic and I'm super excited. It's always fun sharing stories and helping people all at the same time and if you are starting a gym, you're obviously one for wanting to help people. So um, what goes around comes around. So I'm excited. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. So I know that you started a gym and you, you, you owned, managed a gym for four years. Tell me, how did you even decide to open a gym? Alrighty. So I had always been involved in sports. Like I started like in junior high with volleyball and basketball, curling, and played sports all through college. Got into soccer more in college. Our small town in Saskatchewan didn't even have a soccer team in high school. So I only started playing soccer in college, which was really funny. But anyways, and so I'd always been involved in sports. And so I wanted to actually get into sports marketing when I graduated. And um, then it was like, 
it's really hard to work in sports marketing and enjoy the games. So I'm like, okay, new career, whatever, need to figure something out. And so I had already owned the videography business at this time in Regina and sold that, moved to Calgary, and I wanted to go into medicine. Medicine had always been something that was really intriguing to me. My dad was always sick in the hospital, so I was always in the medical field. And so when I came back to go into medicine, I was pregnant at the time and really reevaluated what I wanted to do with young kids. (laughs) And so I took my love of anatomy and science and became a trainer. And so I started off with like doing just boot camps at home, you know, around my kids' nap schedule and um, training some one-on-one clients in my basement, how many trainers start, you know, and and then I started working for a big box gym and I was teaching classes and training. And then it was really funny because I was really burnt out. I was super sore and I had even posted on Facebook and this is in 2009 I had posted on Facebook that I'm really tired. I need a break. And three days later, I busted my leg, like just bad. And so I was stuck on a couch and I was like, okay, what do I, what drives me crazy about working in the gym? And the biggest thing was like, I hate seeing busy moms, busy people, walking on the treadmill, talking on their phones. I'm like, it's such (laughs) an ineffective workout. You're wasting your time. Like you're not getting any results, like such a waste of time. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a gym where I can get people short, effective workouts. And so this is in 2009 where like hit workouts were just kind of starting and the internet for business was also just kind of starting. And um, so I had a really good environment to launch my business doing different and unique things that were currently going on in the industry themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I started like a spin studio in Calgary with TRX and uh, boot camps. And uh, yeah, so I started that and then developed and then started running small group training, like smaller group, like two to three people and to maximize space and time in my gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And so I did that for four years and then I totally burnt out and sold it in 2013. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So that's a little bit of my story of why I started it is because I just wanted people to get a good effective workout Mm -hmm. and like who doesn't leave a spin class sweaty and there's no chance to talk on your cell phone when you're doing spin (laughs) class (laughs) no cell phones allowed in your spin class no cell phones allowed and even (laughs) if you could like why would you want to you got super loud music going on (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you can't breathe so why would you want to be on your cell phone so (laughs) yeah um, all my workouts were 30 to 45 minutes and uh, yeah in and out yes so that was my gym Okay. Thank you for the overview. And now it just opens up to tons of questions because it's like, oh, and then I did this and I was, I'm like, how did you do it? And coming, I relate to your story so much because I, I left a burnt, I got burnt out from, I had a tennis school and then I burnt, I got burned out from doing that. And then I opened the gym and then I had that for five years. 
and I kind of got burnt out too. So that's super interesting. So my, my first question is, so you were doing boot camp classes in your basement and then you jumped to working out, working at a big box gym. Since you had started to experience, you know, in a way being your own boss in your own space, I would have thought that maybe you might have at that point even thought of opening your gym then because then you, you know, you kind of would have been able to not have to give up control, but what made you, you know, how did you didn't feel that urge at that time? Not too much. Like I've always been an entrepreneur. So always working for myself is a big priority. (laughs) Um, But my kids were like really young, like Mm. just born kind Mm. of when I started training. Mm. And so it just wasn't the best time then to start a full gym. But then, but it was like, it was easy to work at a box gym from like five till eight, you Mm -hmm. know, and just get a babysitter or my husband like over the supper hour. So that just worked better for my schedule at that time. But then like, you know, it's always in the back of my mind is how can I do this on my own? And every, I'm almost convinced every trainer is thinking that how can I do this better on my own and how can I make more money on my own? Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, you start to see the ceiling. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like benefits of working. Like you don't have to search and market for clients as much in right. a big box gym as you do on your own. Yeah. I'm in a bar- marketing background, so that's never been a struggle of mine but yeah. I get how it is for some people right so yeah so then when I broke my leg it was just like doors closed doors open mm. doors definitely opening on this side so time to start the gym yeah all right so that uh, that breaking your leg was that turning point where you decided to open your gym so I'm curious here did you was it a totally blank space that you got or was it a gym that used to be there or did you take over in some way a small gym no it was uh, totally new so it was actually a grocery store a really wow. small grocery store that um in a neighborhood that was um close to downtown in calgary mm-hmm. and and so it was like super easy renos because it was just like four walls <laughs> yeah and it was 2300 square feet And, uh, all I had to do was I had to put in another bathroom and some change rooms Mm -hmm. and like paint. And like, I just kind of redid the floors, but they were nice looking floors anyways. And uh, yeah, so it was actually really easy. So I could start for like really low costs. Like my main costs were just my bikes. Right. And so, Yeah. yeah, that was like my main, main cost. That was great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that helps. That helps because either, either you're taking up money that you have and you're maybe from your retirement or something, or you're borrowing. So the less, the less of a interest that you you have to pay the better. So, so I actually had opened a cycling studio midway through my other studio and I found that the bathroom was expensive. I mean, and then even- Oh my God. Because you're just like, it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, what do you, either you had an amazing contract or you're married to your contractor. (laughs) No, I was blown away. Like, how much was your renov cost for a one bathroom? bathroom It was just $10,000. Just the bathroom. Because they had to like do some piping in or something like that. And I was like, and that wasn't even a shower. Like that was just a toilet and a sink. I'm like, 
holy crap. <laughs> and it was funny because there was a chiropractor right across the street and he was like, oh, Chas, I wish I would have known you. And because <laughs> he's like, I would have told you that it's going to cost you twice as much yeah. um, than what you budget for. <laughs> yeah. Bathrooms are like, kind mm-hmm. of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bathrooms would cost so much. <laughs> yeah. 2009. And so that's probably like doubled by now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it, depending on yeah where the where all the contractors are, they start charging more. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Crazy. 10, yeah. 000, so that's, I mean, that's not, I mean, I have to say, I think you didn't do that bad, especially if it was a totally new bathroom. I don't know if that included materials, but what about like, what was the total cost for that? Because I mean, the change rooms, okay, some drywall, but then you said you ha- the, the floors were okay. You didn't have to put yeah. down rubber mats or anything. No, I did get some rubber mats just for like the areas of the floor where it was going to be more boot camp style stuff. Nice. Um, mm. Just for padding and additional, yeah, additional padding. So my startup loan that I had got was 45 grand and that was for like my renos and what did I start with? 13 bikes? Mm. I think I started with 13 or 14 bikes. Yeah. Did you, so, you did you get secondhand bikes? No. Oh, wow. No. I got new ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was certified through spinning, spinning.com. And uh, so I had all like spinning, spin bikes. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. How much were those at the time, brand new? That sounds, is it like 1500 for a new one? Yeah. Around there. Yeah. It was like 12, 1500. Okay. I think I might've like after a discount got them for like a thousand or 1100 or something like that. But yeah. And they were super good at like maintaining them and stuff like that. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. like knobs. And they were like stuff. lower end bikes. Like the idea was start small, grow big, right? So yeah. start with basics, grow up as, as I needed to, right? So yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Wow, nice. So I think a lot of people are thinking like you like it sounds like you're I can relate to your story. Okay, so you got a $45,000 loan. 10,000 went to bathrooms. That's exactly my experience. I I think I paid exactly 10,000 for my bathroom in my spin studio too. <laughs> and and it wasn't even a new bathroom. There was already a bathroom there, but it was terrible that they had to redo the piping. Yeah. So it didn't matter that there was already a toilet. It the matter that they had to put a lot of work. And then when I ended up leaving that space, I ended up telling the landlord, enjoy the bathroom. Right? <laughs> I paid for that. <laughs> I know. I tried to get it included in my leasehold improvements, but it was like, no, but it was just like a requirement that the city made me have for my license. And so, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it was funny because we were below condos. And oh. um, so I would have liked to have had probably more soundproofing between the studio and the condos. But like that would have been like that would have been oh. like 50 grand just on its own. And I was like, yeah. I don't th- I didn't think it was that bad, you know, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. No, you really didn't do that bad. I think it sounded like you did pretty good. So I'm I'm doing some math here. So you put 14,300 and then into the the bikes and then 10 into the bathroom. And then so that leaves you about, let's say 20,000 left. Did that... Did you, I'm assuming some more went to also supplies, uh, TRX. uh, I mean, how much more went to equipment and just renovation? 
What were TRX? TRX, were they like maybe around 200 each at the time? Yeah. And, and so I think I had 15 of those. And luckily my friend is a welder and made the frame for me. Wow. That's awesome. So that made, that saved, like I still paid him, but um, right. it saved me a lot of yeah. money, like a lot. Um, <laughs> and then like, yeah, then I did get actually some secondhand, like kettlebells and freeways, like dumbbells and stuff like that. Those I mostly got secondhand. Yeah. So two times. So that would be like an extra three grand for TRX and then like a computer, the printer, like just the office stuff, the microwave, the coffee maker, you know, the essentials of running a gym. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I usually start thinking like, do you really need a chair? Do I really need to get a chair for you? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And uh, then like a couch and chairs for like kind of a waiting area in between classes. Yeah. Um, So yeah. And I think I did have like, it was a line of credit. So Mm. um, just to allow me to float some time or some money in there too. And to start up uh, was helpful. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I think because starting out with 45, that if, if I'm not sure what your lease, I mean, your rent was, if they required any broker's fee or upfront payments or deposits. Yeah. So So that's a big chunk. That was a really big chunk because it was $6,600 a month and needed three months up front. So (laughs) that was like, 20 grand. Yeah, that's a lot. And that's yeah. ba- basically the rest of your 45. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty tight, but you know, at the same time, then you get like three months free, like for rentals um, where I didn't have to pay lease. And then, yeah, then my first month was already paid for. So you can like just generate some revenues there and not have a mm-hmm. massive expense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, and that's cheap. Like, I think it's like really inexpensive to start a business, let alone a gym for 45,000. So it can be done. Right. And that's with like bikes being super expensive, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You did really good. So it took you about two months for renovation and you, you opened the the third month, which was like your last free month. Yeah. No. And then I got an additional month. So I actually like did like a soft launch in December, which was like the end of my three months. And then also it was just the end of December. So it was a good time to launch. And so then I just did like some open house free sales kind of thing. And that's when I was training staff and stuff too. And um, the longest part though, was actually just waiting on permits from Mm -hmm. the city. Yeah. Once all those things fell into place, like the contractors were, you know, quick to get in and out and, you know, didn't take long for the bikes to come in and all that stuff, but it was just waiting on permits, which took the longest. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're in like a downtown or you're sitting near downtown, you kind of can't, you can't fake that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that conversation with you, when you have the contractor and they look at you, they're like, well, if you want to do it right. We need yeah. to get permits. You're like, well, what does it look like if we don't do it? Right? <laughs> you're like, oh, $5,000 less. Okay. Okay. Faster. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get it. But it sounds like you did. I mean, it sounds like you got your permits and you crossed your I's and crossed your T's. So that's, I mean, you dotted your I's. Yeah. Crossed your T's. Yeah. So how was that first soft launch in the following month? What was it? Was it everything you thought it was? Did it freak you out? How did you feel? Um, 
It was really interesting because when I started, I wanted to revolt and do everything the opposite of what the big box gyms were doing. Right. So now there's lots of no contract, contracts, no commitments kind of thing, contracts, but back then there weren't. And so I first started off, yep, if you want to pay a whole year in advance, that's great. You'll get a killer awesome deal. So I killed it at that over Christmas because they were great expensive Christmas presents, but I lived in the demographics and that was my market that they could then afford that for a Christmas present. But so that was really helpful to start off where I had like lots of money coming in from these annual payments. Right. Yeah. And then like February came and it was like, shit, like now I got no money. (laughs) (laughs) I guess there's a reason why there's two year contracts. And so then I started bringing back in the monthly memberships and it was always an option, but it was just like, I just promoted the pay up in advance, you know, thing too, just to help recoup costs right away. It's like, absolutely. That made sense for me at the time, (laughs) but then it was like, okay, now we got to push the monthly memberships. Like no contracts. You can get out whenever you want. Just give me 30 days notice, whatever. And we just cancel payments. Fine. And so then that's how I remodeled my business model. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to pay me annually, you can, but you don't have to. (laughs) Right. Right. Nice. So I I completely get it. I mean, I kind of went back and forth when I started to do more paid in fulls and I'm like, Oh, the money's coming in. And then the first of the month would come. I'm like, Oh my God, everyone's paid already. I have to work hard to, we need more monthly paid memberships. And then I'm like, no, but we need to make more sales, sell paid in fulls. And I'd go back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like that in lots of businesses where you can do memberships or paid in fulls yeah. and um, <laughs> paid in fulls are nice for cash flow, you know? Yeah. But monthlies are good for the actual cash flow for monthly cash flow, you know? So yeah, um, absolutely. yeah. cheaper for clients, you know, on a, who can afford it then on a regular basis. And, and then it just guarantees your monthly income as well. Right. As a business yeah. Owner. It really mm-hmm. helps. Um, otherwise, you just have to work really, really hard every month to make all right. of the sales. So kind of a balance. And I'm curious, you mentioned your demographics were good. And I totally like if I were when if I were to tell someone like one thing about the, the gym, it's like, no matter how shiny your gym is, you got to be in the right place. Yeah. So what was the demographics? And how did you choose that spot? Was it by luck? Or you knew that that was a good spot? A couple things. So I wanted to be in a place where people can come in on their way to work and on their way out of work because I wanted to work with the people who wanted fast, hard workouts in a short period of time. Right. So targeting the busy moms, the working class, like middle working class, higher executive women specifically. And so being downtown was good for that demographic well, close to downtown. It was just outside of downtown. And, and then also, shoot, what was I going to say? A demographic. Uh, oh yeah. The lease rate was half the price of what it was in my suburbia. Like really? it was bizarre. And so, cause I was at the time I was paying like 23 bucks a square foot and yeah. like up in my area, like was 42 or something just ridiculous. So I'm like, this is crazy. It's actually more cost effective for me to be closer to downtown and it works better for the demographics and the market that I want to work with. So, Hey, why not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's helpful. 
So you actually had a better lease rate and, mm-hmm. and you got a, a good demographic. Is this a spot? So basically people are, are they walking near a train station or bus stop or is yeah, this just, mm-hmm. yeah, there is a bus stop right outside the door and the train station was like what, two blocks away. And, but it's also like, I don't know if you know Calgary at all, but it was in the community of Bridgeland, which is like just the community on the main road that gets you into downtown. Mm. So yeah. So sounds good location for driving into downtown. Right. Yeah. 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 Was there, a, how was the foot traffic? So it's pretty good then. Yeah. Most of the people actually lived in Bridgeland, which was all just walking. Oh, nice. lots of condos, lots of people living in that area who don't even have cars, you know, cause you don't need it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I actually attracted probably more people just from being in the area, from being walkable. Yeah. Um, than the people driving in. So yeah, it worked. Mm. So, and how was your, com- either your, your neighbors were, was, were you on a storefront block? Cause it sounds like you're on a storefront versus the second floor or third floor basement. Yeah. Yeah. So I was storefront and with condos above. Oh, right. And so then there was a subway right next to me, which like has still traumatized me from <laughs> ever eating at subway again. And then next door, it was just like a condo selling place yeah and then there's a physio place how yeah. important do you think oh and okay physio what how helpful was it to be in that condo because it sounds like it was sort of a luxury condo so I imagine that that was the place to to train if you lived in, in that building yeah it was really convenient and the whole neighborhood along that area is a lot of condos even mm. more so now but so it is high density living areas of people with good disposable incomes yeah. and and then also being across the street from a chiropractor being next to a physio we did have like some things that I wasn't allowed to do because of physio would do them oh. and so um, like postnatal training I couldn't do post and prenatal training but whatever it wasn't my target market anyway so that's fine (laughs) right it's like Um, come on pregnant ladies pump it like you're not that's not what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) so but that's where I think it's essential to be where your target market is and be accessible to your target market like I will preach know your market of who you want to work with and know why you want to work with that demographic like Mm. I wanted to work with the working busy professionals and like supply them with hard interval training workouts and Mm -hmm. at a price point that, you know, lower income people, you know, then they can just go to the box gyms, you know? So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. And actually that was my other question was how much were you charging for, you mentioned your, you had your one year and you had your membership and did you have a enrollment fee? No enrollment fee ever. And annual, it was like, I started off at 900 mm-hmm. um, when I opened and then it was a hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And that was based on my math that I did when I was doing my business plan and all that stuff. But then like, as I grew and needed more staff, like I needed to be charging like 120 to 150. Yeah. Um, for a membership. So yeah. yeah. Was that hard to do? I mean, do they increase? Honestly, and- personally, it was harder for me to ask that mm. than it was for people to pay that, mm. you know, cause at the time yoga studios were like $200 a month. CrossFit was like 250 a month. 
Yeah. And, and so, but just personally, I was like, I wouldn't pay that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> right. So my, and I had a business coach early on too. And he was like, you want to be a charity, be a charity. But like, if you want to run a business, you have to charge 120 to 150. I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't pay that. doesn't matter. You're not your target market. I'm like, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, totally. And how many clients did you estimate that you were going to be able to get? And, and that made, I guess that's how you concluded the 120 to 150. How many clients? Yeah, did you have? I wanted a hundred members paying, like that was my financial projections. If I have a hundred members paying a hundred dollars a month, you know, that gives me 10 grand a month. Um, I'm happy with that. I should have like shoot it. Like that was like bare minimum. That was like your break even basically. So yeah to charge 120 to 150 was to then be profitable. Yeah. And yeah. how, how, so how were your costs? Cause that seems kind of, even that, even if you, cause your, your rent was six, 6,600, right? Yeah. So then if you had utilities, staff and insurance, it seems like it would have been a lot more. I don't, I'm assuming also you're not teaching all the classes. I'm assuming you would have had to make a lot more than 15,000 a, a month. Yeah, but um, actually not. I did teach a lot. Like I taught oh, okay. almost all the morning classes because um, I'm a morning person and I love teaching. Okay. Um, but that's also why I burnt out, right? So yeah. now looking back, I shouldn't have done that. But, but that's what I love to do. And that's why I got into having my own business because I love teaching, right? Yeah. And, and my insurance was like $2,600 a year. And that was just paid annually. And so it wasn't a monthly cost. And uh, yeah, my bills were fairly minimum because they were already included with most of the, um, with the lease. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, like other than my lease, like my costs were lease and trainers and, and I did teach a lot, but my trainers were between 25 and 30 bucks a class. Right. I see. So, How many classes did you have a week? Ooh, a week. There'd be like a good five or six a day. Wow. Mm -hmm. Two in the mornings and I think three in the evenings. No, maybe four. Four thirty, five thirty-six. Yeah. Yeah, four in the evening. So yeah, and then Saturday mornings we would do three. Yeah. Three or four on Saturday mornings, two Sunday mornings. Yeah. Uh, and then just Friday mornings. We didn't do any Friday nights. I'm a big believer on not working Friday nights, Friday afternoons. Yeah. <laughs> and you encourage it for the customers too, right? I encourage it for the customers. <laughs> Go sit on a patio, have a beer, enjoy your life. I know. You don't need to work out right now. <laughs> work out in the morning. If you really want to work out in the afternoon, go for a run. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that, that's kind of how we, we, had, we didn't have a class on Friday and then we added a Zumba class and it was really just for fun. But yeah, that's very similar to what we were doing. But it's it's great that you know you, if you made because for us if we made we had I had well I had so much overhead because I had so much payroll and then we had to pay I paid a bunch of for utilities so you didn't your utilities was included in your rent so. yeah like I basically paid phone and power I think which was fairly cheap like, yeah really cheap. Wow, that's nice. Definitely so, not over a hundred bucks, you know. So oh, sometimes our sometimes in the summer electricity was like a thousand dollars. It was a yeah. lot. 
Hey, thanks for listening. It's time for our quick break. There are two efficient ways to set up Zoom to offer regular weekly classes so you can offer a low-cost monthly membership option. The first way is to enter each class into Zoom as a reoccurring meeting and label each class the name of the class, then to create a Google document with a class schedule and insert a hyperlink to each class, which is really a meeting in Zoom. Now, the second way that I think should be easier and I think really should work fine for most trainers who have a manageable amount of online clients is to create a class schedule of the Zoom classes offered. And then at the top of the document, let's say the Google document, you'll have the personal member Zoom ID of your account. I believe you can still approve whoever enters your meeting so you can still take manual attendance and confirm everyone who's joining the class has a paid membership. Now, you might be asking, how do you integrate this with onboarding new clients and make sure clients that cancel their membership don't accidentally sneak in? Good questions. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. So I guess like my question is, is um, so it, did you reach the, did you kind of make that price increase, let's say to 125 and, and did you reach, how many members was your high point or average point? By the end of my first year, I had 250 members and I maintained nice. that fairly consistently till mm-hmm. I sold it. Yeah. And yeah, not everybody was paying like, cause then I'd give them like deals. Like I had a deal during the Olympics and whatever, you know, right. and um, probably offered more deals than I should, but whatever. Yeah. But sale, the salesperson comes out and, and then you can tell they're going to walk away. So I get it. So, so yeah, so 250 was good. And was that about 125 or hundred? What was, what were they paying on average? Yeah. Average would have been like 120. Yeah. Yeah. Some are That's paying 150, 160, like somewhere on the higher end. Yeah. 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 So I, th- all right. So you're doing good. So you're like getting to like 30,000 a month. Yeah. I had crazy monthly revenues. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. So what was your profit for that? Like, I mean, oh, I know you had to work real hard. <laughs> I know, I know you had interest, I mean, to pay and yeah, yeah. A lot of, and you were working a ton. So in that model, in, with all those numbers, someone said I could like, you know, get that similar lease space. Like how much, how much, like, would you say you took home? I wasn't taking home nearly as much as I would have wanted to. Right. Yeah. Of course, that always happened. But like, I was still like, I would always take home a minimum of two grand for myself. Yeah. You know, and either leave the rest in the business and say for a rainy day or, whatever. But it was like, no, I need at least two grand at least. Yeah. Um, If there's more available, then I would take more out. But yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't hugely, hugely profitable. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you're saying that you had 30,000 in like revenue and on a monthly basis, you've only felt comfortable taking out 2k. Of course, some of it's retained. What would you say your biggest expense was? I don't, it sounds like you're teaching about what, 40% of the classes? Uh, yeah, and that, to start. To start oh, I was, okay. and then I dropped off to just teaching the morning classes. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, at one point, I know I had, like, 15 staff. But, like, that doesn't mean that they're all, <laughs> like, one Full person time. teaching one class once a week, you know, right? Yeah. 
but it's still then more time consuming to then manage that person and schedules. Right. So yeah, it would have been ideal to have less staff teaching yeah. more. Yeah. I honestly can't remember like in my first year, what the profit margins were. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was also paying for coaching, which was ridiculously cheap compared to what it is now. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, well, I should have done that before I got on call. <laughs> How much you paid for coaching? Or? No, how much I like what my profit margins were. <laughs> it gets it's confusing because, you know, you, for me, I would do my numbers, give it to my accountant and be like, okay. And then all of a sudden they'll say, well, we have these deductions. So I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it made money, but you know, you have deductions. And so like just looking at your tax, my, for me, looking at my tax records, it's hard to say always you know, that, cause that doesn't always reflect like on a cash basis because totally. Right. It's confusing yeah. for me. Taxes, I get confused. Just taxes in general, right? Like <laughs> your income tax, your business, like your GST, like those are things that like, you know, when people talk revenues, they always include those things, but you still got to pay them back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, overall, well, but of course, you know, it's, you always want to get paid more. Yeah. I, and, but it sounds like though, the primary thing is you're really able to grow your clients. And I, it sounds like you're super smart. You got a great location. I read in your post, you know, you did some systems and you, you did some things that were really helpful. So from a marketing perspective or sales and lead generation perspective, what were the things that you think you, you feel like you did that were the most helpful? Yeah. So the most helpful thing that I did was, you know, there are pros and cons of Groupon, you know, like, and, but back then it was new. There was Groupon, there was Living Social, there's like 15 different other ones, but it was a great way to increase exposure. Yeah. No. And so then we developed a system. So get people in. So then this was our whole model, get people in at a low cost, Mm-hmm. and then have them fall in love with it mm-hmm. and then upsell. And so we always offered a free week and, and then we would do like a consult after that free week or within that free week to then upsell into like a regular membership. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were like myself and my staff were amazing at building community. Like, mm-hmm. That was our main thing. So all marketing is based around getting people to know, like, and trust you. Mm-hmm. And like your sales funnel is grow, nurture, and sell. And like me and my staff, we were just like so good at building the community that like 10 years after, mm-hmm. like people are still like, oh, I miss the community at results, you know? Mm-hmm. And because we had awesome people there, like awesome members, awesome staff, like, it was just a wonderful place. And so once you came in to experience that, it was like, of course I'm going to stay. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, so we did use Groupon, but to get people in. And so we would do like, I did like one trade show and it was a waste of time because it's like Mm. the idea was to just grow my list at the time. Yeah. But yeah really expensive. So I like, there's no purpose of going 
to like big trade shows as a personal trainer or as a gym. And so um, I'm like, if you want to waste money, go right ahead. But if you are, make sure you have your systems and your purpose and going. Mm -hmm. The one main way that I grew my list. So I did as much marketing for $0 as humanly possible. And so the main thing I did was put out free recipes on Kijiji. And so people would be like, I would just be like, here's the recipe for healthy chicken enchiladas or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and, or whatever the popular food thing it was at the day and post that on Kijiji. And then people would email me back. I would add them to my email list and then I could nurture the relationship and sell them on my style through email marketing. And so email marketing was gold and still is. I'm a big believer in email marketing and um, a, because it's cheap and it's free and it really helps nurture and convert your audience. So yeah. So (laughs) that was the recipes that I grew my audience like really quickly right from the get go. Oh, wow. Is, was Kijiji, I think it's closed now, but was that a local thing? So you knew everyone emailing you was nearby? Yeah. Yeah. In Calgary. Yeah. Calgary area. And because I could target, like normally I would never say you target a whole city because that's crazy. But because I was in an area when I was hoping to attract people who work downtown. Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Kijiji is not nearly as popular as it was back then. Um, But now like you could grow your list like on Facebook, Facebook marketplace, you know, so many other free ways that you can grow your list as well. Yeah. When you mentioned Facebook marketplace, are you saying that there's a way to post recipes or something and people would email you in marketplace or free? Yeah, you can like book anything on there, right? That, so as long as you give things of value, Hmm. you know, that's that's a new tip. Yeah. Get things back. Yeah, I like it. And I know that you're a business coach so now. Um, so I'm imagining that you've really thought you have a very specific, it sounds like you already have a specific system about marketing and um, nurturing. So, and then, you, and then you mentioned something about email marketing. Did you have a, do you have a specific way that worked for you for email marketing conversion with your, with your gym? Yeah. So um, I used back then, it was called, what was it called? Fit Pro? newsletter, it was actually an email marketing system designed specifically for fitness professionals. Mm -hmm. So they would automatically send me weekly blogs. (laughs) So that was fantastic. (laughs) And, but then also like my strategy was to write, like I wrote a lot of blogs, like Hmm. lots, 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 lots for SEO generation. And so SEO, and then I also changed my URL from being results fitness to personaltraininggalgary.com just because URLs were also more important back then for SEO than what they are now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so my, my marketing was all centered around online digital marketing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, building the list online, using FitPro to send out weekly newsletters, and then always having a call to action. Like, here is like all the value that I can give you. Here's a nutrition tip. Here's a recipe. Here's a fitness like tip or a video even. Like I did lots of videos of like, here's how you, you know, a five minute travel 
workout, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so always giving lots of value and then always having a call to action, either like try our free week, mm. you know? Yeah. And uh, that was always a call to action come in mm-hmm. for redeem your free week. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of good content and then a call to action. Did you have, did you do any one-off campaigns that worked well for you? Like a referral campaign, fitness challenge? Oh yeah. I did a 21 day or 28 day fat loss mm-hmm. um, quite often. And so then that was 28 days for 28 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so then you would get into the challenge and we would weigh you, do your measurements, set you up with a pretty basic meal plan to start off with, and then before and afters for the challenge. And especially once you're in there for 28 days, chances of you leaving are low. Yeah. So, and I with, knew that because we were really good at building community, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you had a, like a really amazing studio. So I could see that. And for the 28 days, did you make everyone start at the same time or was it sort of like you offered that for two months and they could start? Um, I did a couple different ones. Like I've done some where it was like, Kate, we're starting. Actually, no, they all did start at the same time. They always did start at the same time. Three weeks Mm -hmm. you could do any other time, but otherwise the challenges were always a set time. So I would do them in like September back to Mm -hmm. school. Then there was like a turkey detox and like, October into November, um, doing one in like spring before Mm. like in May. Mm. Yeah. Prior to May long. And, and then in January. Mm. So yeah, they were set. Yeah. Did you uh, just use your own, did you actually write the recipes? Did you kind of use the same thing because they were mainly for new clients or did you have to kind of rewrite everything? No, that was the benefits of FitPro because they had a nutritionist on their staff. And so they would send out all the healthy recipes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I could have like, but I did do like my own, like I'm a um, certified through precision nutrition. Mm, and yeah. so like if I were working one-on-one with a client, I would do like a nutrition plan based on precision nutrition mm-hmm. and but like just for recipes for like building my list and stuff like that I would just use the ones from fit pro mm, I see so you gave them the recipes from fit pro and then you did your measurements and everything did you integrate any like text message or email like besides just this is a recipe but like hey you're part of the 28 days and keep going strong or is it just kind of email? totally oh yeah like so when you're in the challenge then it's like an email like every three days or something like that mm. and so then it's easy in your email if you have the right email system you know mm. you just go into the 28 day bucket and those emails are already created like I would write all those emails mm. and then it would just be automatically sent out mm. right nice. so then I can repurpose them but then they'd always be on my email list so then when I just send out generic regular, you know, weekly emails, then it also goes to them as well. Nice. Did you, what software did you use? Everything was through Fit Pro. Oh, okay. at the time. Yeah. Now I, now I use ConvertKit. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's like a ton now. Yeah. I used to use MailChimp, but now like you have to pay for things with MailChimp now more than you had to before. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to pay. I'm going to use one that I really like. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's so much more features, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I completely understand. So, like, this is awesome. You you did a lot. I mean, I could see how you'd be burnt out, and I can relate because we did a bunch of challenges. I mean, I, I fortunately didn't have to teach as much, so I think I was able to sustain that last year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, we did all these – it was just so much – so what would be like the top things it could be the maybe top 10 things that you would tell a studio, whether it's to, to help them, you know, grow their clients to profitability and really grow their business. Fantastic. Okay. Get your pen because I have top 10 ways to grow your gym. And I tried to put these in order, but they might, (laughs) they might flow a little bit. So it's going on the premise of marketing of like grow, nurture, sell, no like trust. So first of all, you need to know who you want to work with, Mm. you know, know your target market and know them well, know what their pain points are and how you can solve their problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then offer the workouts that those people want. Right. So instead of you saying, this is my idea, come try find this. It's like, you know, work the other way around. So I want to work with people that are really busy. So I'm going to offer them fast, hard workouts, Mm -hmm. you know, to maximize their time. So that's one. Number two is get on social and kill it on social, especially with the use of testimonials. So video testimonials of like, that was a great class today, you know, like super basic, like it doesn't have to be transformational testimonials all the time, but just like having your community speak for you, Mm. you know, and just capturing that at the beginning or at the end of every class or in between classes or whatever, post it on Instagram specifically. I don't even think there was Instagram when I started or even finished. <laughs> it was all Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So be social. And then there's like the whole, you know, all the latest techniques on how to be social and maximize your engagement and, and stuff like that, that I won't get into right now, but use testimonials for sure. Okay. Number three is like build your email list, use blogs, use videos, give away recipes, give away as much value as you can Mm. because there's workouts on how to do a squat and how to do a hit workout all over the place but people will keep coming to you because they need a they need the motivation from a trainer they need people to hold them accountable to coming and actually doing the workout and not just standing there on their cell phones right and so you can give away as much information and don't be scared of that because they still need you for a reason yeah. Okay. Number four, write articles and get on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so write articles in your community newsletter as much as you can write articles on your blog, do guest blogs on different people's sites. Yeah. Do podcasts, do live Facebook interviews, you know, just free ways that you can just get yourself out there. Number five, that I think is always the most essential is building community, like genuinely build community, love the people that are paying you money 
not just because they're paying you money, but because they're wonderful humans. And so, yeah, build on each other's strengths and like be a place that people love coming to because they feel amazing when they leave, you know, like you shouldn't go to a gym where the trainer is going to make you throw up. Yeah. You're going to burn a lot of calories and build muscle and blah, blah, blah. But like who loves coming back to a trainer yelling at them and making them feel like garbage. Yeah. And you know, like that's not necessarily the best way to build community to get people to their fitness goals, but that's another. So (laughs) build community, engage your audience and be active with all your members. Mm. Great. Ask referrals and reward clients. So, so many times, like many companies, they'll reward just the new people. So yeah, sign up on this great deal. And then you always get that deal, but don't forget to reward the people who have been with you for a long period of time. So it's like, you know what, Carrie, you get this month free, you know, Mm. and um, thanks for being a loyal client or, you know what, let's go out for dinner, you know, so reward your loyal clients and make them feel like gold. Mm. um, I think is essential. Number seven is have a sales system, Mm. you know, like be, be very strategic on knowing your customer journey from when they first find out with find out about you to now they're a regular member that loves you. Mm. So outline all the steps, the questions that you ask exactly how you want to flow that conversation Mm. to lead to the sale. Number eight, quit selling 10 packs. (laughs) Like, Trainers do this all the time. Do you ever get results? And my business coach told me this right away. It's like, do you ever get results after 10 personal training sessions? No. (laughs) Why do trainers keep selling them? (laughs) You know, because, oh, here's 10 that you can use over 10 months. Like, that's not a good revenue generator in the first place. It's not getting your customer results, which is going to keep your customer coming back. So, um, don't be scared to ask for longer term commitments. It's like, yeah, just pay monthly. I'm going to take care of you. You can cancel at any time, but it's based on a year. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to see results in a month, 28 days. Like I was brutally honest, like, yeah, I would like you to lose weight in this, but I can't put a number on that because I can't control how many beers you're having on a Friday night. You yeah. know? Yeah. Right. So I can't say you're going to lose 20 pounds in 28 days because <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah. so ask for the longer term commitments and get into monthly packages Mm. number nine is upsell or cross sell so offer other things that you can buy to increase your per monthly membership or per um, transaction so it's like okay maybe you sell heart rate monitors and so I did start doing that as well so Mm. so, like you sign up and because like heart-based heart rate training is a fantastic way of training in my opinion. And so the best way to do that is to have a heart rate monitor. So why don't I sell it instead of you going to sports check, you know? And so, yeah. So then that increases your per ticket sell. And number 10 is be real, Mm. be authentic, be you, you know, people will always buy from you because they know, like, and trust you not because you're necessarily going to give them the best results, but like they like coming to train with you because you're now friends, 
you know, and you're open and honest that like, yeah, you know what? I had a pizza last night. (laughs) So I'm going to do all the Saturday morning classes, even though I know that I cannot outwork a bad diet. (laughs) Mentally, this is going to make me feel better about eating pizza last night by, you know, doing three spin classes. So, you know, people like to see that you're also human because they can relate to you. So that kind of goes with the building community, but So I think those are 10 tips that you can use to grow your gym, but you can also use that for any business in general. Yeah. Any business um, to get leads in. And I I love the whole be real and authentic because I I think we feel like we have to, as maybe either owner or trainer, we have to seem perfect, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard. And then they can relate with you because every client kind of doesn't kind of cheats and they're not going to tell you if they think you're going to scold them. Yeah. And like, so I had different trainers. Like I've never been 120 pounds, like maybe in grade five. Right. But I've always been athletic. I, I've always said I will out squat you and out push up you any day, you know, mm-hmm. but like, but one of my trainers, she was like a fitness model, you know? So she attracted people who wanted to look and be like her, you mm-hmm. know? And she was amazing, right? And I attracted people who, yeah, wanted to have beers on a Friday afternoon and have pizza, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but still be super fit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and healthy, you know, for the most part, but, you know, enjoying life a little bit as well. So, yeah, so we had different trainers from different spheres of life that yeah. different people could relate to. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I think we learned so much about you and we got a lot out of you and, and your lessons and you're managing and it, you grew an amazing community. So like, um, why did, I know you were burnt out and that's why you ended up, I think you said you sold it. How yeah. was from the process um, or just the time of deciding you wanted to get out to actually selling it? How long did that take and how hard was it to find a buyer? Mm, it took me about like, six months Mm. or more Mm. I did end up getting a broker like my husband was like well why don't you just ask oh no it was after I sold it that one of my members was like well why didn't you let me know that you were selling it and I could have bought it I'm like well it's not something that you like yeah good morning everybody anybody want to buy the gym I'm burning out (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I did get a broker to help sell and because like I just did not have the time yeah or energy or desire to learn how to sell it and stuff like that so I did sell it I did make money off the sale Um, so that to me was an indicator of success and yeah and yeah and then I went back to just teaching classes for the new owner Mm -hmm. um but that didn't last very long for a couple reasons one is I was moving to Toronto I went back to school in Toronto and um And then it was just weird. I was like, no, I want to be the trainer that gets paid more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. For four years, I had trainers like, can you pay me more? I deserve to get paid more. And um, now I'm like, no, I want to be that trainer who's like, I want to get paid more than 25 bucks an hour. (laughs) Right, right. Like, I can't actually do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you, you, you moved and it sounds like you went back to teaching uh, or you, as I mean, you took, um, 
you got another degree? Is that what you mean? Like yeah, you- I went oh. into international development because my heart always lies with helping people and so and traveling. And so international development seemed like a good fit. And, <laughs> and so, but then like the reality set in was like, what organization is going to hire a whole family to move overseas? And <laughs> so I decided to move back to Calgary and help people the best way that I knew how, which was teaching people how to start businesses based on my business startup experience, me being in business. My husband's had his business for a long time and I love helping people and I love teaching people. So it just like, I landed a really good job with a nonprofit where I could do those things. And then just this last summer, I got laid off from doing that. And so I just thought I will do it all on my own. And so one door closed, another door opens. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess if somebody listening wants to reach out to you or find your post, how can they do that? They can find me on Instagram at Coach Chas Young, which is probably the easiest mm-hmm. um, at Coach Chas Young, or my webpage is um, Business Startup Coach. .ca, but there's like three S's. And so sometimes it like, <laughs> um, <laughs> forget an S or whatever, and then you get taken to the wrong page, but it's like full of business, startupcouch.ca yeah. <laughs> or at chat or at coach Chas Young on Instagram. Oh, okay. Those are the easiest ways. So you can find me on Facebook as well, either like my personal one, or I have a the business startup coach page, and then there's a business startup group. Oh, so nice. I'm social. <laughs> Except TikTok. That that went messy really quickly. So and we're not going into the world of TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do it when my mom has TikTok and then I'll have TikTok. But Right. <laughs> right. I'll just yeah. let my kids do TikTok and I will not embarrass them. <laughs> I totally understand. Well, I mean, the Instagram uh, handle is super easy so they can find you. And she has a, ma- a lot of amazing posts, uh, really uh, lots of great testimonials and so much interesting experience to share. So definitely reach out to Coach Chas if you want more business startup coach. And thanks for having been on the show. Thank you so much, Christy. That was so awesome. Thank right. you. Thanks. Thanks. thanks for listening. The easiest way to make sure only the people who have active memberships get access to your Zoom online monthly classes is to make the membership start at the first of the month. In case somebody joins in the middle of the month, you can prorate it or just give them a flat $10 for the first month. This way, if you have other teachers teaching classes for your membership program, it's easy to update the list of students and you're really just adding students to the list versus removing people, which can get confusing because, hey, if Sally just taught Janine on Tuesday, two days ago, you kind of assume that she's able to get into the class on Thursday, even if on the list you've removed her because she, let's say she canceled her reoccurring online membership. So basically doing a membership that gets billed on the first of the month can keep it simple for your staff and you mentally by having one central list and only adding new members. The second thing you can do is actually send out the schedule, an updated schedule with an updated Zoom link every month. 
So basically, on the first of the month after everyone's credit card went through, you email those people with the credit card that went through the updated schedule. And on top of that schedule is going to be your Zoom ID so that they have the same link that they access all of the classes. And this way they could even bookmark it and it makes it easy. Oh, I have three freebies. Number one, get your full edited transcription with bullet points of the key lessons from today's show on our website, fitnesssecrets.co. That's fitnesssecrets with an S at the end.co. While you're there, subscribe to our newsletter, which gets you access to our monthly freebie marketing and operations content that you can use for your own fitness business. Freebie number two. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to the show in your podcast player by hitting the subscribe button. Since the show happens because of listeners like you, could you also leave a review? If you email us your review at support at fitnessecrets.co, you'll receive a complimentary one-hour coaching call with me and a $150 credit towards the first challenge that we will be releasing soon. Finally, freebie number three. We started the Fitness Secrets Facebook group. I know thinking and designing of new marketing campaigns, planning out your operations each month for your fitness clients is exhausting. Our goal is for the group to help you plan out your marketing, plan out your operations so you can get more clients efficiently. To join, go to facebook.com and search Fitness Business Secrets. Thanks so much for listening. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode.